So that being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's have some fun this morning. We are we're going to go Old Testament this morning, and um, uh, we're, we are literally joining thousands of churches across the nation uh, today um, uh, with the same thought. Not necessarily the same thurman, sermon, but the, the thurman, but the same, but the same thought. It, and uh, and it's all about um, uh, first things first. And, and it's not just about uh, priorities in, in our life and how to schedule our routines and how to schedule our days. Uh, in fact, th- this is uh, today and then next Sunday, I'm going to teach this little two-week series called From Now On, From Now On. And, um, and I'm going to start it by, by, by saying this, that all over this nation, I, I'm going to tell you something, if, if, if a revival happens across our nation, it's going to happen because of all the churches and all the, the believers uniting in faith, uniting in purpose, praying like never before, asking the, the Lord of hosts to show up in a powerful way, and then we live out our purposes in Christ Jesus. Everybody, that's how it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come through unity. It's not going to come through, through a, a um, disunity. Everybody see that? Like, how many know that if, if all of the churches in America, all of the Bible-believing, life-giving churches in America would just come before the Lord in unity and in faith that God would hear us from heaven, he would answer our prayers. Like he would do the miraculous, everybody. And so it's very purposeful on our part. I really feel led to, uh, to, to do this. And uh, so today, the first of, of, of two Sundays from now on, I want you to write this down before we go any further that most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of people want... Uh, want these great things. They want to live this great life. They want to have this great relationship with God if you're a Christian. And you have uphill hopes, but you have downhill habits. You have, you have habits that actually take you in the opposite direction of where, of where you want to go. Okay, so we all know this to be true because we, we've all, most of us, not all of us, but most of us at some point, maybe even now, have struggled with our weight, all right? So uh, you don't have to raise your hands to let me know if you're doing that or not. But how many know that most people, when, when it comes to health, they have uphill hopes, but a lot of us have downhill habits? How many know what I'm talking about now? Okay, so we not only do that with, with food, we do that just in life. We just do that in, in life. And, and um, I, I want to tell you something. There's, there's a better way to live life. And, um, and we, need some, we need some uphill habits that will actually will, that'll, will allow us to, to experience our uphill hopes. All right? And, and what I'm calling us to do is to live life differently from everyone else in this world, especially the ones that don't know Jesus. We should not be a reflection of the world. We should be a, a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And, and I'm going to show you something so powerful in Scripture. And um, it's going to take a little while to get there because it's the story of Naaman. And this story is found in 2 Kings. And you don't have to uh, uh, turn there quite yet. But if you have your Bibles, you, I mean, you might want to do that. It'll be on the screen. Of course, it's in your, your sermon notes. That Naaman was a, a commander in the Syrian army, now some translations will call it um, the like uh, Aram instead of Syria, but it, it's it's all the same thing. He's the commander of the Syrian army, and he is famous. He is famous for his victories. Uh, the Bible calls him a very valiant um, soldier. So he was he was strong. He had an air about him. People respected him. He was famous. He was, of course, highly esteemed. But the problem is that he had leprosy. At some point in his in his military 
uh, conquest in, in his military leadership, he developed leprosy, and, and um, he heard actually from uh, his wife's uh, servant, her, her, her servant was actually from Israel, and this Israelite girl told her mistress, you know what, if Naaman went to the prophet in Israel, he could be healed. Well, uh, uh, what Naaman did is he went to the king and he said, he said, hey, there's this prophet in Israel. I'd like to go over there and, and receive this healing from leprosy. I don't want to be a leper and I, I want to keep doing what I'm, what I'm doing. And so the king gave Naaman um, a, a lot of gifts, some very uh, expensive gifts, not only clothing, but um, you know, riches and said, hey, go to the king of Israel and get your healing. Like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Just, just go. You have my permission. And so the king of Syria sent Naaman to the king of, of Israel with gifts. Well, the king of Israel was scared out of his mind because he thought it was a tactic in, in that when, when his commanding uh, officer Naaman did not get healed, that, that the king of Syria would use it as an excuse to come in and attack uh, Israel and wipe them out. So, so the king of Israel's response was, well, who am I to be able to, hear, to heal you? I don't have any power. This is just a trick of the enemy to come in and destroy my country, my kingdom. Well, Elisha, the prophet, was actually in Israel, and he told the king, he said, the king of Israel, hey, settle down. I got you covered. Just send Naaman to me. And so the, the king did that. He sent Naaman to Elisha, the prophet, and he, he went to the prophet's home, and Elisha uh, decided, what we would say, he decided to be a stinker that day. He didn't go answer the door. In fact, he sent his messenger, he, he sent a servant to the door and said, no, no, I know who it is, you go answer it. <laughs> Could you imagine me and that servant? Like, no, thank you. But he did. The, the, the servant went, he answered the door, the messenger went, answered the door, and told Naaman what what Elisha the prophet had said to do, which was, I want you to go down in the Jordan River and I want you to dip yourself seven times. And when you do that, you're going to be healed. And that's where we start in this story in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 11. You ready for this? It says, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord and heal me. How many know that sometimes we want God to act a certain way that God doesn't act? We want him to do something specifically that God doesn't do. And, and sometimes we're frustrated by that. He said, well, this is what I expected, and that is certainly not what happened. And then he goes on, verse 12. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abon, and the, uh, the Farpar better than the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult or very spectacular, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, and he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Can I, can I tell you something? Let me break in there real quick. That God is a rewarder of even the smallest steps of faith. 
But God, God never rewards doubt. He always rewards faith. We're never called to doubt in the word of God. We're always called to live by faith that every decision that we make, every, every day of our life should be driven by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That God is a rewarder of those who have faith and who take steps of faith. So verse 15, then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. And they stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. And here's why, everybody. Because healing is free. It can be purchased. You believe for it. It's, a, it's an act of faith. It's not an act of works. Can, can, can I get a better amen than that, somebody? Aren't you glad you don't have to work for it? You can just believe for it. Believe the word of God. Believe the promises of God. And God does the miraculous. Not because, not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. Verse 17. Then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I want, you to write, I want you to underline those three words, from now on. I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, okay, well, let me, let me just say something right there. This, this is showing us that Naaman not only had a change in body, he actually had a change of heart. Do you see that? He not just had a change in body, he had a change in heart. He said, however, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When the master, when my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Ramon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. And what was happening, he was saying, listen, I'm going to take this dirt from Israel. It's going to be a reminder to me about what God, the God, the only God, did in my life that he healed me. And I'm going to, I'm going to spread out this dirt. I'm going to kneel on it, and I'm going to worship God. He's, he's going to make a memorial. He's going to make a, a place of worship. But he realizes, you know what? One of the things that the king is going to ask of me, he's going to ask of me to go into a pagan temple as he worships this pagan God. And as the commander of this army, I have to go with him. If I don't, I'll lose my life. So is it okay, Elisha, if I go with him and, and he leans into me, and he worships, and, and I just refuse to worship, but I'm there with him. Is that okay? And Elisha says, hey, God knows your heart. It's okay. You can go in peace. Rest easy. It's going to be okay. And can I, can I tell you something about this part? <laughs> that this confronts legalism. Did you know that? Like, this is a great scripture that, talked, that, that we could use concerning legalism. How many times do we do things legalistically out of rules instead of relationship? And what Elijah is saying, listen, I know your relationship with the Lord is now established. So you don't have to worry about that. I know what's in your heart. And even more importantly, God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's in your heart. So I'm going to teach you a few, a few things about this. That Naaman makes this statement from now on. Like no matter what happens, 
from now on, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I want to I share something with you about this, that, that the, statements, that the statement from now on, you've probably made that statement a time or two. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, there must have been some time in your life that, that you made a statement, God, from now on, I ain't never doing that again. You know, hey, from now on, I'm never going to say that word. Hey, from now on, I'm never going to think that thought. From now on, I'm never going to look at that. From now on, I'm never going to go there. From now on, I'm not going to get involved with. From now on, only for like the next day. Oh, I did it again, right? How, how many have made a few from now on statements and let yourself down? Okay, so, so the problem with that, when we get into our hearts, from now on, the next word of that is I. From now on, I won't. From now on, I'm not going to. From now on, I. See, the problem with that is you are depending upon your willpower instead of the Spirit of God, instead of Holy Spirit power. You're depending on your power to overcome sin in your life. You're depending on your power from now on, I. Can I tell you something? That is the wrong way to live life. It is great to dedicate yourself to holiness. In fact, we are meant to. We are called to dedicate ourselves to holiness. The, the Bible says to be holy because he's holy. So I don't want to take away from holiness. What I, what I am suggesting, though, in fact, teaching you today, is that you don't rely upon your own willpower. You rely upon the Spirit's power at work in your life. Let, let me say it a different way. Number one, write this down. This is something that you need to know, that you need to be careful with your words. I need to be careful with my words. There have been some vows that I've made. There's been some promises that I've made that I did not keep. And odds are you've done the same thing. Did you know the Bible teaches about that, about the power of words? In fact, uh, did you know Jesus had something to say about this? In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, it says again, this is Jesus speaking. He says again, you've heard uh, that it was said to the people long ago, don't break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, he says. That's what Jesus says. Don't swear an oath at all. Either by heaven, for that's God's throne. Or by the earth, for that's God's footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Now watch the statement. Anything beyond this comes from... The evil one. <laughs> so every time that we step up and say, I swear, not from God. And I, I just made a determination in my life a long, long time ago that I just wasn't going to use that, those words. I wasn't going to make a vow. I certainly, the Bible talks about making rash vows, and that's not wise, that we shouldn't do that. So I just, I just learned many, many years ago, I don't, I'm not going to swear to anything. I'm just going to let my yes be yes and my no be no. Uh, and, and the Bible also says it this way. Even when we're making plans, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And I'm going to go here. No, no. Hey, if the Lord is willing. This is the direction I, I plan to go. Lord, Lord willing. How many knows we need, to bring that, we need to bring that little phrase back to life? Lord willing. Lord willing. If God directs, if, so, if God so leads, this is what I plan to do, but I'm going to follow him no matter what. So Lord willing, 
Lord willing. I, I tell you what, I heard that as a, as a Southern boy growing up in Oklahoma. I heard that all the time from all the Christians in our church. Lord willing, Lord willing. And, and it was back then it was said so often, so freely that it, I, it, it didn't have much meaning to me until I started studying the word of God. And then I realized that there's some rich meaning there. If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. So everybody be careful with your words. And if you have sentences that start out with, I swear, don't. <laughs> Just don't. It's not, it's not wise. It's not wise. In fact, it's not from God. It's not from God. So we have to know that. Second thing is that it's most important to know what is actually most important. Let, let me say it like this, that as we, as we enter this new year and we start having these thoughts of from now on, from now on, I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to try, from now on, I, I'm going to go in this direction or I'm going to accomplish this, from now on, I'm going to stay away from this. But can I tell you something? What we have to remember, if you have a from now on mindset, especially at the beginning of the year, that it is most important to know what is actually most important. We have another a phrase growing up in the South. Maybe you've heard it. If you chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either of them. Right? If you chase two rabbits, you're not, you're not going to be successful. you got to make a choice. You have to know what's most important. You have to know what's most important. In fact, can I tell you something? That when, you're, when, you, have, when you have the right values in your life as a Christian, values based upon the word of God, then most of the decisions in your life have already been made. You don't have to worry about what decision to make because the values, the word of God, determines the decision that you make in your life. A lot of people go back and forth and making decisions, should I, should I not, but they're, 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 they're struggling with it because their values haven't been established or their values haven't been established on the word of God. So a lot of times, I, I just, you know, the decisions I make are literally based upon what does the word of God say? And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what the word of God says. In fact, my wife and I, we just had a conversation yesterday that uh, quite, quite some time ago now, I, I was in a, a difficult conversation with somebody. And I knew how I wanted to respond. <laughs> I, I knew what I wanted to say, but I wasn't sure that that was what God wanted me to say. And my wife was there in the room, and she was, she was waiting on a response, and I was making her nervous because I was quiet. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, but I really want to say. And I, I stopped, and I, I just prayed, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I, I knew in my heart that I was going to obey the word of God. So the struggle with me Necessarily, I, of course, I was tempted to say what I wanted to say. But that thought went out very quickly and entered the thought of, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Now, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And I had to give that a little bit of thought. And I, I'm telling you, there was something miraculous that took place in that room that day in this conversation that my wife and I had with someone. Something miraculous took place just because I made a decision based upon the word of God. I made a decision based upon the authority of God's word. 
Listen, new song, you've got to know what's most important. And then that determines the decisions that you make in life. So what's most important from now on? What's most important from now on? Let me teach you another part of this. The second part of this is actually point number three. Never passionately pursue that which is not essential. So, so we have to, it, it's most important to know what's actually most important. We have to have some values. We have to have something to build our life upon, and it's the will and the word of God, no doubt. And then we have to, we have to ask ourselves, am I passionately pursuing something that is not essential in my life? A lot of people, let me say it like this. A lot of people pursue things that never make an eternal difference, that do not have an eternal impact. I don't want to live my life like that. In fact, let me say it this way, that God doesn't want you to live your life like that. I know a lot of people that are pursuing non-essential things with passion. Maybe maybe it's a hobby. They're just pursuing this thing with passion. Their world revolves around that one thing. And yet it doesn't bring glory to God. it's actually taking them away from the things of God instead of adding value to their life or certainly value to the lives of others, it's not. And they're passionately pursuing something that has nothing to do with eternity. Can I tell you, that is the wrong priority. Is it okay to have hobbies? Absolutely. Have fun. You need, to, you need to know how to rest. You need to know how to have fun. The Bible says that, that God gives us everything for our enjoyment. Hey, can I tell you something? You know, you know I'm, an avid, I'm an avid hunter. I love to hunt. And, and uh, there, there were years ago now that there was a time I was getting so involved in hunting, it was all I thought about. Like I was just thinking about it all the time. And then God brought me to my senses. And, and I had to, to come to this conclusion, no, God, you first. You first. Like, I, I'm not going to focus on that, and I'm not going to get that out of priority in my life. I'm not, I'm not going to passionately pursue something that really doesn't make an eternal difference. Am I going to be involved in it? Sure, but I'm going to balance it. I'm going to balance it. I'm going to make sure that I'm not over the top in it. It's just going to be a hobby. It's going to pl- be a place of rest. It's going to be something that, that recharges me, it energizes me, but it's not going to be the thing in my life. That, that when one day, when I pass away, people are not going to look in my casket and say, wow, he was such a great hunter. <laughs> Although I am, by the way, I just throw it in. <laughs> that, that I want people to look in my casket and say, he was a great man of God. See the, see the difference? Wow, he was really good. She was really good at this. No, boy, she really loved Jesus. He really loved Jesus. He lived his life to make an eternal difference. Can, can I... Can I, what if we just had this mindset, not making a vow, but hey, you know, from now on, with the help of a very gracious God, with the help of very powerful Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going to do my best to live for the glory of God. I'm going to live for that which is eternal. I'm not going to live for the non-essential. Boy, what, what would happen in this nation if every Bible believer in this nation did just that? What would happen in this community? What would happen in, in Plymouth, Indiana, if all of New Song would just live our lives like that? No, my life is meant for the glory of God. I'm living for the eternal. I'm going to invest in the eternal. 
I'm going to give towards the eternal. Not, not just a finance, but I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to give my resources. I'm going to give my attention to that which is eternal. This is good stuff. Let me, get, let me say it this way. This is what the Lord gave me just several days ago now. I guess on Thursday, the Lord gave me this. Number four, that I'll see God's best when I seek God first. That I'll see God's best when I seek God first. And you know, you, you know that verse of, of scripture, Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking and he says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Is, is not life more than food and, and the body more than clothes? And what he's saying is there's so much more to life than what you're focusing on. You're focusing on the non-essential. You're, you're focusing on the things, let me say it this way, that are not eternal. You're focusing on the temporary things. Is life not more than that? And he goes on to say, so don't worry. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? The pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly father, he knows that you need them. He knows your needs. But instead of living life that way, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. The, the kingdom of God is, 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 and I've taught this in a series in the past, and it'll certainly come up again this coming year. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've taught on the kingdom of God, and I've learned so much more since then. Cannot wait to share it with you. But the kingdom of God, you could say it this way, is the power, the dominion, and the authority of God. That is the kingdom of God. That's why we can pray. Uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Your dominion, your power, your authority come on the earth in our lives just as the way that, that, that the angels in heaven experience your dominion and your authority and your power. They see it, they're near it. Father, come down into this earth the same way. Control my life the same way things are controlled in heaven. Isn't that great stuff? The power, the authority, the dominion. He says, so seek first the power, the authority, the dominion of God and his righteousness, right living, right relationship with him and all of these things will be added, will be given to you. See, I'll see God's best when I seek God first. And, and here's the verse that thousands of churches across America, they, they got to this verse a different way than I did, but here it is. The first four words of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. That's it. What's your priority? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, wait, in the beginning of, of what? Everything. In the beginning, God. We know the verse goes on to say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know what the verse says, but what if we just took those four words and lived life according to the first four words of the Bible? In the beginning, God. In the beginning of my day, God, I'm going to start out with time and prayer. I'm going to spend time in, with the Lord. I'm going to study. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ingest the word of God and allow it to change my life. I'm going to speak to the Lord, and I'm going to listen to the Lord. In the beginning of my day, God, in the beginning of my week, how many know Sunday is the first day of the week? 
in the beginning of my week, God. I'm just going to put God first. Have you ever thought that, that church is more than just a, 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 it's more than just a tradition? It's more than just, well, it's Sunday, we got to go to church. It's just a thing that we do. No, in the beginning, God. And that, that's why they had services on the first day of the week, because in the beginning of the week, God. And some, some people, can I tell you this? Some people who are very casual about church attendance are also very casual about their relationship with God. Ooh. Aren't you glad you came to church today and you didn't skip? <laughs> You're like, not me, I'm here. <laughs> right, all right, all right. But can I tell you, can I tell you from, this is almost 30 years of full-time ministry. This is what I've seen. When people are casual, when people are casual with church, they're usually casual with God. That is not how we're meant to live life. So in the beginning of my week, God. In the beginning of my year, God. That's why we start with 21 days of prayer and fasting. The beginning of the year, we're going to give that to God. In the beginning, at the beginning of your job for the day, God, why don't you pray before you go to work? In the beginning of the school day, God. And at the beginning of your meal, God. At the beginning of a tough conversation, God. At the beginning of a meeting that you have with somebody, God. Yeah, how many know what I'm saying now? See, we'll see God's best when we seek God first. Last thing. Daily routines. In the beginning, God, if that becomes a daily routine, daily routines determine permanent results. Did you know that? Daily routines determine permanent results. Some, some, someone doesn't grow to be 800 pounds by overeating one meal. How many know what I'm talking about? Just because you pig out on Thanksgiving doesn't mean you're going to gain 500 pounds. It's the daily routine that determined the permanent results. And if we lived our lives with this phrase, in the beginning, God, that's our daily routine. God first. He's first in my day. He's, he's first in going to school. He's first at breakfast. He's first at, at work. He's first at lunch. He's first at second shift. He's first at, at dinner time. He's first when my family gets home. He's, he's first. Before I, go to, before I go to bed at night, when you think the day's over, no, God's first. Before you go to sleep, God first. Lord, I'm about to go to sleep. I thank you for a great day. Let your last thought be upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his goodness. See what I'm saying? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And if you develop that daily routine, it will determine permanent results in your life. This is what the Bible says. Now, I, now this, having said what I've just said, this verse of Scripture, this portion of Scripture should come alive to you today. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What's this, everybody? You might want to circle it. I underline this phrase, but in all your ways. In the beginning, God. In all of your ways. At every breakfast, at every lunch, at every dinner. At every going to work, at every laying down, at every getting up. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will, that's a promise, he will make your path straight. In fact, I circled that in my notes. He will make your path straight. 
Meaning he's going to guide you, direct you. The path forward is going to be obvious for you. See, when you've made some determinations about your relationship with God and the word of God, the decisions in your life are much easier. Those decisions are already made because you love God and love his word. You've put him first in your life. All of a sudden, it's just easier to know what to do. Why? Because he makes your path straight. He makes it obvious. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun even. How many know that we live in a generation that people think they're very wise in their own eyes? Let's never do that. God is our wisdom. Verse 8, this will, here's another promise, this will, when you humble yourself, when you're not wise in your own eyes, you're humble before the Lord. You give God first. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So now we're, we're talking about the first of your income goes to God. In the beginning of your paycheck, God. In the, every, every time Jennifer and I get paid, the first thing that we do, it, it, 10% automatically goes to God. And we live the type of life that not only 10% goes to God, but we give offerings above and beyond that before we do anything else. In the beginning of our paycheck, God. And I'm telling you, God blesses that. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, there it is, of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. That's a promise. And your vats will brim over with new wine, that's a promise. That you'll see God's best when you seek God first. It's a promise. Let me, let me say one final thought, everybody. That nothing has the power to disarm the promises of God. I'm going to say it again. Nothing has the power to disarm the promises of God. He is true to his word. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Nothing can disarm the promises of God in your life when you live life according to the will, the word of God. And I'm telling you, when you seek God first, you'll see God's best in your life and you're going to see a move in the lives of others. But new song, we've got to get this right. From now on, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the work of God in my life, I'm going to put God first. In all things, at all times. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Would you stand up with me? I'm calling us to this, in this day, New Song. This is, the, this is the will of God for New Song Church. It's actually the will of God for every Bible-believing church. Did you know that? It's the will of God. In the beginning, God. You need to make a determination in your life. In the beginning, God. In the beginning of my day, God, 
Let, let these 21 days of prayer and fasting just be a kickstarter for the rest of your year and the rest of your life that you live an in the beginning God life. That every day is just going to start with God. Let every week start with God. Because l- l- let me ask you a question. Were you, don't, you don't have to raise your hands or anything like that, but were you encouraged today in worshiping the Lord together? Wasn't it beautiful to worship the Lord? I, I, I told the worship team, in fact, one of them, when they came out, I said, you know what? There was just a lot of engagement this morning, a lot of people really worshiping the Lord, even to a song that we had just heard really for the first time. It was a new song, and I love it. It's a great song, and, and you just dove in and worshiped. I was so proud of you. I was, oh, oh, isn't that fun to worship with other believers? Isn't it just... So in, in the beginning of your week, God, let me say it this way, I should look in your eyes every single Sunday morning. And you should be able to look into mine because in the beginning of my week, God, I'm going to be at church. I'm going to surround myself with the community of faith, with my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to cheer them on and they're going to cheer me on. And I'm going to encourage them and they're going to encourage me. And I'm going to worship the Lord in gladness. And I'm going to hear a good word from the Lord. That's going to encourage me and strengthen me from, for not only my week, but my life. I'm, I'm going to hear a word from the Lord. I'm going to allow him to change me so I can be who he wants me to be. First of my day, God. First of my week, God. First of my year, God. First of my income, God. The first of my evenings, God. Before I take a first bite of food, God, before I lay my head down at night and close my eyes, God, do you receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? So the altar call occurs every single day for the rest of your life. That's this altar call. From now on, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the work of God in my life, I'm going to put God first from now on. By his grace, by his spirit, by his help, God first. If you would commit to that today, would you open up your hands toward heaven? Let me pray for you. Lord, we we admit today that we need you like never before. We need you like never before. And we've gotten it wrong in this area. Father, we have focused on the things that are non-essential. We passionately pursued things that really weren't the things that you've called us to. Temporary things. And and we know that you gave things for our enjoyment, but Father, we've been called according to your purpose in Christ Jesus to follow you, to know you, to find freedom, to discover our purpose and to make a difference. So today we choose in the beginning, God. That's our choice. That's what we're choosing today. God, you first. Of anything and everything, today I'm making a choice. With your help, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, knowing that you'll take care of everything else. I'm going to submit to you in all of my ways. 
and you're going to make my path very obvious. You're going to make it straight as I live for the glory of your name. And I thank you, Father, for helping me. I cannot, I admit, I cannot do this on my own, Lord. I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your help. And I'm asking you to help me, strengthen me, empower me to live the life that you want me to live for the glory of your name and for the benefit of others. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that with all of your heart, say a big amen. Amen, amen. Now listen, listen, listen. This coming week, 21 minutes of prayer every morning. In the beginning, God, to start with prayer, 21 minutes a day. First thing. Now, the Bible says pray continually. We want to do that. We want to think about God all day long. But let's start our day with God first. This coming Wednesday, 6.30, right here in this room, we're just going to have a time of prayer. It's not. There's no worship set. There's no devotional. There, there's no sermon. There's just. It's just going to be prayer for about a half an hour, 35 minutes, something like that. As the Lord leads, it's not going to be a long time. Just come here this Wednesday night. Sign up for Encounter. So we want to put God first in this year. We want to have an encounter with the Lord. And then remember this, everybody. Next Sunday morning, when every single one of you are back where you are today, a, a week from today, I'm going to be looking at your faces. Don't come alone. One invitation can change a life. One invitation can change a life. If you don't know how to invite them to Christ, at least invite them to church where I can invite them to Christ. All right? I love you so much. I am so very, very proud of you. You, you, make, you, you give me so much joy. I love being your pastor. Have a great day. Hang out with each other. Make some new friends today, all right? God bless you guys. I love you.